0: you love your work do you think it's possible well you're about to find out it's time for 48 days to the work you love with Dan Miller on the 48 days online radio show whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul this is the program for you now here's your host Dan Miller can you believe
1: that almost half well actually half of the first month of a new year it's already gone Goodness me, we are we talking about 2016 in a blink of an eye? Well, hey, Dan Miller here. We're going to be talking about things we can do this year. Yeah, we got some time left yet, 2015, but boy, are the days clicking by. Those goals you set for your best year ever, are you on track? You know, I'm doing some things right here in the first of the month, and it's exciting to, to be doing those new things. I'll share a couple of those But uh, the days are clicking by quickly. Hey, we're going to be talking today about how rich are you? You know, what do you think about when you think about somebody being rich? Well, I got some interesting ideas that we'll share about that. One of our sponsors today is Casper. Now, you've heard me talk about him a little while back, and we're having a lot of fun with that. I'm going to be telling you about our own experience with Casper Mattress. And tell you how you can get $50 off any mattress purchase. You know, it's just one of those things that makes your life good. When, when I talk about being rich, you know, we're going to talk about things other than just how much money you've got in the bank. And I mean, where you sleep at night, how you sleep, that's part of being rich. Golly. Well, we have a Casper mattress. You can get $50 off your own purchase on that by visiting caspersleep.com 48 days. And then if you use the promo code 48 days, you're going to get free shipping and some other goodies. I'll tell you about in a little bit. How rich are you? I'm going to tell you six habits of the rich. I'm going to talk about why being a homeless college student is a bad sign. Someone once says, Dan, my husband has had four jobs in 18 months. Now the listener says, I feel very attacked by Satan. Someone wants to know, should my blog be for-profit or non-profit? And then somebody says, Dan, your books and podcasts have ruined me. Well, we'll have some fun looking at all those issues and more. Let me just go ahead and tell you a little bit more about the the Casper deal here. And they're they're our sponsor for today and will be periodically throughout the entire year. We've already got that lined up, so be prepared. You're going to hear me talk about... Some of my favorite things out there. in Casper, a few few months ago now, they sent us a mattress. It comes in a box. You don't have to go down and strap it onto the top of your car and be concerned about having it blow off in a freeway. It comes in a UPS box. You open that puppy up and boom, you better have it in the room you want it in because it expands to be a big size. I mean, it it's a, combines the premium latex foam with memory foam. But it is really cool. Now, we just had... We have one on our guest bed in our house. Now, when my son and daughter-in-law came back from Africa, they stayed at our house for a couple of weeks and then moved back here to the sanctuary where they're living now. But I, my daughter-in-law wanted us to move the mattress back here because she fell in love with it so quickly. And we didn't do that. We decided to get another one for back here and leave that one on the guest room. But we just had my brother and sister-in-law here for a few days. Now, my sister-in-law is an early riser. She gets up early in the morning, you know, 5, 530, always, as for years. They came to our house, and I mean, they were here for, you know, several days. And like the second morning, we were out just uh, having our muffin and tea and talking to my brother. And he said, golly, I wonder if something's wrong with Viola. If she's not up. I mean, it went to 9 30 until she got up and she came out and she was like, just dazed. She's like, I can't believe that happened. And it was simply because she was so comfortable sleeping on that mattress that it extended her sleep night till her body finally caught up, apparently. But she was amazed how she slept in. I mean, the the period of time that she slept because it was so comfortable and allowed her to go into a deep sleep from which she was fully rested. That's the Casper guys. I mean, my grandkids fight over it when they're at their house, who's going to get to sleep on that mattress. Now they don't know a lot of details about mattresses, but they know they like to sleep in that one. It's just that kind of experience. So, Hey, check it out, check it out for yourself. I mean, we all need mattresses. You don't have to worry about having one, delivered to your house. They're going to pick it up. It's going to come. Boom. That's a big, that's a big bonus right there. But just go to caspersleep.com slash 48 days, and then use the promo code 48 days to get your $50 off. And they're very reasonably priced. I mean, usually, you know, a good mattress, you're going to expect to pay 1500 bucks or so. You know, these start at like 500 for a twin, 750 for a full size, 850 for queen size, which is what, Most of our beds seem to be $9.50 for a king size. And then you get that $50 off. Check it out. You'll be happy. You'll be sleeping better so you can perform better. Well, I want to go into some success stories here. Incidentally, our, our quotation for today is actually one from me. I just was scanning things. This is in my signature line in my email right now. But it says, focus on what you're moving to, not what you're moving from. Right here at the beginning of the year, it's a great time to be doing that. Just focus on what it is you want this year to be, what you've already decided this year is going to look like, rather than looking over your shoulder and being chagrined or embarrassed or angry or upset or resentful about what already happened. Hey, that's in the past. Leave it there. Leave it there beyond that January 1st timeline, 2015. Boom. Whatever it is, it is. But you're going to create a new year, the new life that you want we're going to be talking about how you can do that. Well, I, I wrote a piece this week about a new kind of rich. I mean, it, with having my brother and sister-in-law and their daughter here, and then Jared and Leah, my son and his wife and their little baby are here. And Ashley, my daughter, she lives close by with her husband and three little girls. So we had a lot of family time that even extended all the way up into the middle of January here. So one of the things we did was go out to Leaper's Fork, now, that's a little tiny artsy community just outside of Franklin, Tennessee, here where I live. And it's a really uh, appealing little community with um, and lots of artsy people. There are a lot of uh, country music singers that live out there. And so it's, it's just that kind of community. But we went out there on Sunday and ate at Joe's Natural Foods. Now, this was one of those experiences. I love these kind of uh, random encounters. Random, uh, I guess, probably not. But anyway these encounters with people who have gone through interesting life experience. Now, Joe's a Jewish guy who used to be a hedge fund manager in New York City. I mean, he was, you know, rolling, rolling the dice high. Millions and millions of dollars involved in transactions. He got involved in commercial space development with Lowe's and Walmart. His wife was a successful litigation attorney. I mean, they were living the American dream and he says they discovered a new kind of rich how do you like that term a new kind of rich now their days start with their rooster doing what he says is his best imitation of Pavarotti at about 4:30 a.m followed by the sounds of some of the other 50 animals they have pigs chickens goats horses bees cows dogs cats they they, they don't use air conditioning i mean they really have backed into a minimalistic lifestyle. They don't use air conditioning, so the windows are open to the sounds of the morning. Uh, They open their farm for weddings and Saturday night dinners. Uh, They share farming tips, meals, and uh, knitting and crocheting and weaving tips with their Amish neighbors. But we had a delightful experience there. I had a bowl of tomato bisque over rice. Joanne had a open bread hamburger, shredded hamburger with walnut, apple salad, fresh coleslaw. I mean, it was just, the food was just amazing, but I was so intrigued by him telling me right up the bat, they discovered a new kind of rich. So what do you think about when you think about being rich? You know, are you looking at just the dollars in your bank account or are you including the relationships you have, the energy you feel every morning, the view from your front door? You know, when when I talk about 10 X in your results, and we've, we've talked about that a lot in 2014, 10 X your results, people don't get excited about doubling anything, but 10 times now that gets your attention. But usually people think I'm talking about the money in your bank account or the money you're generating. And certainly it's reasonable to have goals there. And there's some big things that I've got in place for this year that I'm super excited about, you know, financially. But I'm also super excited about the kind of rich life that I get to live. You know, on Sunday evening, after being out there for that uh, neat lunch experience, we were back at our house. Everybody was there, and our house was filled with the sounds of children playing, uh, the aroma of more great food, the laughter of games being played. I mean, we were pay- playing, um, what is it that we play? Catchphrase, where you hand the little thing around, and if you don't guess In the amount of time it beeps for you, we play guys against the girls and it's one of the most delightful games that we do, but there was the laughter games you even played all the conversations reminded us of all the wonder in our lives. So I hope that you make this a year to discover a new kind of rich that many of those around you overlook. You can be rich in ways that are not just reflected in your bank account, but make sure you've got those as goals as well. Well, now speaking of rich, This morning I was um, getting my daily dose with Darren Hardy. Now, if you go to DarrenDaily.com, Darren is the publisher of Success Magazine. The magazine I recommend is the number one magazine for any of us who are looking to have rich lives. But I I love that magazine. They they partnered with us on the cruise we've got coming up. All the participants on the cruise are going to get free issues of Success Magazine, along with some of the bonuses that we're... uh, we're excited about being able to share um, thanks to the people at Success Magazine. But Darren Hardy, the publisher, has a little five minute, actually, they're usually two to three minutes, his daily in the morning, where you could just pull up a little video, just an encouragement for the day, just to get you pumped up, get you going. I love those little things. So this morning, he was talking about being rich. And there are some habits that he's observed of people who end up financially rich. Here are six of those habits. The first one, 80% of rich people have long-term goals, while only 12% of poor people do. So just the fact that you write down what you want this year to be, you have some goals, puts you into a high statistical probability that you're going to achieve things that a whole lot of people don't. 80% of rich people have their long-term goals identified. If you're just trucking along, going to take whatever happens? You're not likely to achieve extraordinary success, not only financially, but in the other areas of life that we're talking about as well. Because average taking just what shows up doesn't make great relationships. It doesn't make great health. It doesn't make great spiritual vitality. Those are areas where you want to be rich and you need to identify what you're going to do to be making deposits of success in those areas as well. Well, number two on Darren's little list, 85% of rich people read two or more books per month. I was talking about somebody, or talking to somebody about this just this week, and it's kind of a stretch for him. And I said, just read 12 books this year. That's just one a month. I mean, I think with that, you can really open new doors of opportunity and dramatically increase your own feeling of success and prosperity. One book a month. Now you can do that 20 minutes a day. If you're just an average reader, you read 20 minutes a day, you're going to read an average book a month. I think that can do wonders for you. Now, Darren is saying 85% of rich people read two or more books per month. So that'd be 24 for the year. I mean, think about the wealth of information you could expose yourself to if you chose 24 great books. If you need some recommendations, incidentally, just send an email to reading at 48days.com and you'll get an autoresponder. It takes you right to my reading list. It's just the books that I recommend and why. Number three on his list of six things that rich people do. 63% of rich people listen to audio books or programs while while commuting exercising or working around the house while only five percent of poor people do now that one's pretty easy to um put yourself into you know if you're in the car if you're taking a trip or driving to work and you got 30 minutes are you just listening to rock and roll or the news the bad news of the day or are you filling your brain with something pure positive clean inspiring wholesome good and true all those wonderful things man i love that kind of stuff but the the podcast the audio programs i mean you hear me recommend books got a couple i want to recommend to you today books that you can listen to again if you listen for 30 minutes a day you're going to be able to listen even if you're not a reader you're going to be able to listen to more than one complete book in the course of a month full-length books books like i write 240 pages traditional trade books are typically about six hours in length. So you can just extrapolate that down. If you listen to 30 minutes a day, it's going to take you 12 days of listening to listen to an entire book. Number four on our little list of six here, 67% of rich people watch less than an hour of TV each day. 77% of poor people watch more than an hour. Wow. Again, pretty easy to quantify that one. If you watch more than an hour of TV a day. You're in a broad category of people who stay poor. That one's pretty easy to monitor. 67% of rich people watch less than an hour of TV each day. I mean, if you're watching more than an hour of TV a day, shoot me a note, shoot me a note and ask Dan at 48 at days.com. Let me know what it is that you think has enough value for you to watch more than an hour of TV a day. I can't imagine what that would be, but uh, now, now granted, I mean, we have Wi-Fi access on our TV so we can go to Amazon prime programs and we can pull up uh, Ted talks and there, there are a whole lot of things we can access through our TV, but I'm talking about just traditional TV programming. I can't imagine how you would want to watch more than an hour a day. Well, number five, 89% of rich people sleep seven hours or more each night. There you go. If you got a Casper mattress, It'll help you sleep eight hours and you'll get up feeling like a million bucks. 89% of rich people sleep seven hours or more each night. I read an article a couple years ago in ink magazine, and it was a stupid, stupid article about how a guy was weaning himself from needing sleep by setting his alarm clock a minute earlier every morning. So over the course of a month, he'd be waking up 30 minutes earlier. Like he's going to wean himself from sleep. I mean, that is a preposterous idea. Successful people I know don't try to limit the sleep that they get. I mean, you'll see if you get the Darren Hardy dailies, you'll hear him talk about, make sure you're rested. Yeah, he likes to get up early in the morning, but he likes to go to bed at nine o'clock. I mean, if you go to bed at nine o'clock, you can get up at five o'clock and you got your eight hours of sleep. I mean, how cool is that? So the goal is not to sleep less. Trust me your productivity, your mental alertness, your sense of well-being, your health are all going to suffer if you're not rested. And I haven't used a an alarm clock in years, but that's because I go to bed when I'm tired and I get up when I'm rested. Love that process. And I do that even if I have the morning morning commitments. I mean, I am an early riser, but uh and you know the other half of that equation, you aren't going to catch me out partying at at midnight either. I don't care if it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to be in bed because I know what it does for me and health wise. Well, number six on our little list here, 76% of rich people exercise at least 30 minutes, four times a week. That's a pretty easy goal to have. Exercise 30 minutes, four times a week. Build that in, build that in. I may share again what i'm I'm doing some new things i'll i'll share with you after i get through 30 days of a new program that i'm doing but uh, i'm amazed already at how i'm feeling and uh, how i'm able to to stretch and some of the things that it's doing to my lower back and all those wonderful things but i got a new program that i'm real excited about well there you have it um let me do one more here and then we'll do our we are the champions and move into the questions this comes from Brittany. I mean, the things that I've been sharing here really are in what I consider the success category. I mean, these are things that can change your life. Uh, Talk to people around you who are doing things. You'll hear what they're doing. Well, one more. Brittany says, I wrote you a while ago about using fresh prints to land my dream job. I wanted to share a couple of successes with you because I'm a contract worker. I was told that I wouldn't likely have any work over the holidays. Because I needed the income, I was bummed to learn this, but I volunteered for any work that came up along with five or six other people. The Friday before Christmas week, we received an email from my boss saying someone may contact us with work. I took the initiative and emailed that manager offering to happily work for her. She ended up contacting me, giving me the opportunity to work over the two holiday weeks. I was the only one who was selected and received praise from her and my initiative and work ethic in a letter that was sent to my boss and the VP of the company. I also wanted to share that I recently became aware of a conference hosted by a leading speaker in my area that I really wanted to attend, but had not budgeted for. He was offering a free guest ticket with each registration. So I reached out to him and inquired if anyone had registered, but didn't have a guest to bring and I offered to work in order to earn the ticket. Ultimately he agreed to give me the guest ticket in exchange for me helping him with his social media. I'm now learning and growing under a mentor. I could have only dreamed up all because I made the choice to show initiative. Thank you for sharing that message with me. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brittany. I love that example. Both of those, you just took the initiative got extra work, extra income, got to go to a major conference because you just simply asked. what an innovative idea. It was listed in the registration materials, obviously, that if you register, you can bring a guest, and you simply asked to be a guest, even though you didn't know any of the people who were coming. I love that creativity. Way to go. Way to make it happen. Absolutely. Well, there you go. We consider those success stories a big part of what we share here. I've got some interesting kind of tangents on that. got somebody who wants to expand the success stories and do a complete podcast just based on those. So we'll, we'll consider that. We'll look at that if you think that'd be a great idea. Hey, let me know. We could have a podcast that is totally devoted just to success stories. I love integrating them here. If you got a success story, shoot it in to askdan at 48days.com. You can also just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a red starburst jump up there. You can share your story there. We'd be happy to include it in an upcoming show. Now, I want to talk just a little bit here, but I got a lot to go through. I'm going to rush through some things here, but this issue about more and more people having lives that they hate and then having six-figure student loan debt is driving me crazy. Now, there's a whole lot of people out here who are addressing that. I mean, Dave Ramsey's daughter, Rachel, is real active in that space. She travels around the country talking to college students and helping them create a plan whereby they can get out of school and not have all that college debt. You know, we've certainly been encouraging people to do that. But right now, estimates are that there are 58,000 homeless college students in America today. Now, here's the mentality behind this that I question The mentality, as you can expect, is to buy into this myth that all you need is a college degree and then you're going to be famous and fantastically rich. Do you know, perhaps, anybody, maybe just one person, maybe two, maybe 300, who have a degree and are flipping hamburgers or bagging groceries down at the local Kroger store? I mean, sure we know that. I mean, having a degree is... Really, not much of a guarantee of any kind of success. And the stories that we get here at 48 days daily about people, gee, I've got 133,000 dollars in student loan debt. can't find a job. Gee, I'm a doctor. I hate what I'm do. What I do, it's killing me. I'm a target for legal suits. I mean, the the misery stories that go on and on. Oh, but incidentally, I have $280,000 in student loan debt. Yes, that's a very real example, but we get them every day. I mean, this is a catastrophe. This is a national disgrace that has to stop. We now have over a trillion dollars owed in student loan debt, over a trillion dollars. Now, what's going to happen in terms of that being an unrealistic phenomenon in and of itself is another story. Mark Cuban, you know, from Shark Tank and owner of the Mavericks, I mean, you know, Mark, Mark says that we're going to see an implosion there, just like we saw in the real estate arena, where money was too easy to get. People were buying houses they couldn't afford, and it artificially inflated the cost of houses, and all of a sudden that came to a head, and we saw what happen. Thousands and thousands of people lost their homes, banks closed, mortgage companies folded. There was an implosion all the way back to correct what had happened there that was not healthy for anybody. He says the same thing is going to happen in education. A trillion dollars owed, many of those people will never be able to repay. What are you going to do with $133,000 in student loan debt when you have a master's degree in biblical theology, which a recent young gentleman has, that I talked to, that came to see me, $133,000 in student loan debt and a master's degree in biblical theology. What are your marketable skills based on that? How are you a candidate to do anything based on that that would not be a $10, $12 an hour job working somewhere? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. But when those, and of course there are more and more students who are angry and upset and suing colleges and all kinds of Funky things happening out there at this point, but it's got to change. We we got to, we've got to come up with better solutions than that. But here's my concern about homeless college students. They have this perception that all they have to do is whatever it takes, big borrow, steal. I mean, a lot of them are on government housing money to start with getting food stamps and now they're borrowing money, more government money, to get to a conclusion that's not going to change their situation significantly at all. My concern is that if someone can't come up with any way to create income now, the chances of them being able to do that just because they got a piece of paper are pretty slim. I mean, if a person can't wash windows, mow yards, paint houses, deliver papers, I mean, do a little Amazon FBA program, write a blog and have a little site on Etsy. If they can't do any of those things now, they're gonna be really disappointed hoping someone will give them a job when they graduate. I went I went to Ohio State University, yes, the Ohio State University, yes, national football championships, those guys. I went there. Of course, I didn't I wasn't there in the urban Meyer era, I was there in the Woody Hayes days. But Joanna and I lived in a little tiny trailer just off campus. I mean, we were surrounded by other students and had a really great experience. But during that time I bought and sold old cars. I mowed yards, painted houses to cover all our expenses, including tuition and books. When I went back to school for my master's degree, a few years later, we negotiated to live in an old house that I fixed up while we lived in it in exchange for the rent. We totally eliminated the rent by just improvements. I was doing uncovered three old fireplaces and got them functioning again. Um, got the patio and back all fixed up again, you know, painted, remodeled, replaced the cupboards, just did things while we lived there, but took care of rent. Joanne made tailor-made clothes for hard to fit women to create a little extra income without having to have a full-time job or be out of the home. Cause we had one, one little child at that point, little Kevin was about three years old at that point, but that's what she did. I had a teaching assistantship that helped reduce the tuition. And I got $200 a month as a stipend that we essentially, you know, bought groceries with and paid utilities. And we were set, but I didn't incur any debt for that master's degree. A Few years later, I started my doctoral program. Of course, by then I was earning money as a coach and writer, but I never occurred, incurred any debt for any of those degree programs. And also did not expect any of those degrees to significantly change my income. The degrees didn't change who I was as a person I mean, living frugally while in school is fine. I mean, I encourage anybody to do that. When I see these kids driving around here, Franklin, Tennessee, you know, driving BMWs while they're attending Vanderbilt, I think you have gotta be kidding me. What an artificial life they're anticipating and they're living already. But yeah, living frugally is certainly a thing to do while you're in school. But, you know, getting a housing subsidy and food stamps and borrowing government-backed student loans so you get a degree is not a reasonable plan. I mean, I grieve for these homeless college students who are borrowing money in the hope that their future is going to change instantly when they have a degree. I mean, we already, I read just recently that for the the students who graduated in 2014, 85% of them are returning home because they can't secure jobs that are in any way connected to their degrees. I mean, this is a massive problem, but it's just it's time to stop believing that college is a guaranteed way out of homelessness and poverty. I mean, one of the things that I read in one of the articles here that I, when I was researching this is that, you know, these, these kids really get it. I mean, this was an encouragement from somebody in an academic environment and the quotation is the way out of poverty is education and they are committed to doing whatever it is they need to get there. Well, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, it seems to me that we have a lot of evidence. The way straight into poverty is to go to college and borrow the money to do so. You're going straight into poverty, not out of it. Well, I know this is a hot potato, but it's just, A pleasing personality and skills that matter may require neither a degree nor debt. I mean, obviously you you can tell this is a pet peeve of mine. It's a national disaster that's leading us to a massive crash. Now, just one other quick thing here. I've been talking with Woody Robinson, who is co-founder of college plus you've heard me talk about college plus just in recent months. We've had some testimonials where people said, gee, I just got my four-year degree in less than one year and less than $10,000 total expense. That's because they're working with College Plus. I'm going to be doing a webinar with Woody about this issue on January 22nd. I'll put a link to connect you with that webinar and make sure that you get that. It's going to be before the next podcast, but make sure that you get that link for that it's that webinar where we're going to address this. But I think Woody is really onto something here in helping students look at the best alternatives, put together a program of study where they can get a degree from a fully accredited college. This is not some little mail-order degree. This is getting bona fide degrees, but it does not require four years and $100,000 to get a degree in political science. Trust me, it doesn't. And you don't have to spend four years going to frat parties and football games either if all you're interested in is just getting the degree. Now, there's a lot of value in the college experience. I mean, I love the time that I've spent in the academic environment. So we aren't just washing that out, but balance that against what you can afford. If you can afford to go to Vanderbilt or to Belmont and spend the money for a four-year experience, fantastic. Enjoy the experience talking to somebody yesterday said wow with you know these degrees where somebody's settled with two hundred thousand dollars in debt why don't the parents just buy the person a house and say well here's a house you don't have any debt figure out a way to make a reasonable living you'll get a much better head start than if we had just put that money toward a degree well anyway let me move on from there lots of things happening Lots of things happening. I just want to inform you. Certainly I'll give you my opinion. You form your own, but make sure that you're making good decisions about some things that other people just assume are given. No, they aren't. We're going to think differently you know, here at 48 days. You know, we, we do things that are different. We our, we have no interest in being normal. Our buddy Kent Julian, you know, wrote a book who wants to be normal anyway. It's a great look at that. You know, if your goal is to be normal or average, you, you set the bar pretty low we don't want to do that you want to be like Dave Ramsey says you want to be weird you want to be different you want to be abnormal eccentric extraordinary whatever term you want to choose that's what we're aiming for here certainly not ordinary this comes from Melissa Dan thanks for taking the time to read my email my husband Ross and I received a really low blow last night from his former boss he told Ross yesterday morning he had a guy coming in to interview for his position completely blindsided him Ross had been working for him for almost a year and heard nothing but good praise from the boss. He gave Ross bonuses, bought him a nice uniform for work, but came to find out yesterday he felt that Ross wasn't up to where he wanted him to be, and he had been feeling this way for a few months now. So he's basically been lying to my husband for a while about everything. We were both crushed and angry that a fellow Christian would do this to to us in the way that he did it. Now he has to start back on square one. My husband's a wonderful man, has the most positive attitude about everything. He loves to talk to people, make them laugh. His positive, upbeat spirit is so contagious that you can't help but laugh with him. He's the kind of person that can have a conversation with a stranger in Walmart. He's an amazing singer, but most people don't want to give him a chance because he's young and doesn't have that almighty degree and or lots of work experience. In the year and six months we've been married, he's had four jobs. I know he has so much potential. He'd be great. And lots of things, he'd be great, and lots of things if given the chance. Can you give us some advice? Thanks for all the work you do. You inspire and give us the rest of of us hope. 48 Days was one of the best books I've ever bought and read. Sincerely, Alyssa. Well, Alyssa, for one thing, I'm going to send you a copy of the brand new version of 48 Days to the Work You Love because there's some new chapters in there that you and your husband will really enjoy. Chapter two is Who Would Hire Me? Chapter Three is, yes, I do have an education, or I talk more about some of what I just talked about. Don't get trapped in thinking that if only your husband had a degree, then life would be rosy, Again, depending on what it is that he wants to do. it may have a little bearing at all. Now, you haven't really mentioned what it is that he does, obviously, there has to be more than just being a nice guy with a friendly smile and a laugh. And enjoy being around. There have to be identifiable skills. What is the value that he brings to the table? Be very, very clear on what that is. What is it that he can do to help a company be more successful? Be very clear on that. And that probably doesn't have a lot to do with you know having a degree, but you need to be clear on that. Don't think that people want to just. Because he's a nice guy, have him on their team. Ultimately, it has to be because he's helping them accomplish the goals they have for the company. Well, we'll take a quick breath here. And just a reminder, if you've got a question, and these are real questions from you, the listeners. People just like you and me who are out here in the trenches making things happen. So if you got a question, go to the 48days.com site click on the podcast link. You'll see our red starburst there. Open that up and put your question in there. Be happy to include it in an upcoming show, or you can just shoot an email to me directly at at askdanat48days.com. Well, this comes from Jennifer who says, I currently have a blog that I took a break from in 2013. I felt very attacked by Satan and allowed him to convince me to stop writing. But I've recently been convicted about restarting and turning it into a subscription blog with various elements that were brought into my attention a couple of years ago. I didn't do it then. I was not sure if that was a Joseph time frame or a Jonah time frame of my life. But I'm ready to obey now, yet I am still scared. My desire is to charge $3.95 a month, with 10% going to my local church. 35% going to savings to open a coffee house with a playground and the remaining 50% after expenses being an income for me prior to doing this. Do I need a business license, etc.? How do I figure out if it should be nonprofit or for profit? Well, Jennifer, I commend you on you know, looking at some new creative opportunities here and moving forward, but I'm going to challenge you on a couple fronts and how you frame this. For one, when you say that you were attacked by Satan and he, he convinced you to stop writing. I'm not really sure I can get my head around that. I'm not sure what that means. I think we tend to give Satan too much of a real presence and existence in our lives. You know, if I decide to drive a different way, to the store because somehow in my mind, I just feel like I ought to do that. And then in taking the different way, I have a flat tire. Was that Satan? See, I don't think so. I don't think we can give Satan or any kind of evil force out there that much credibility or that much power. I mean, things happen. We live in a very real world. But if you decided not to write, I suspect there were other reasons that you just decided not to write. I don't think there was some sinister evil force out there that was trying to convince you not to write. If you want to write, just go ahead and continue writing. So whatever the reasons that you've turned a corner here and you're ready to write again, I mean, I commend you on that. I mean, I love writing. I love the process of writing. But again, if I, if I show up in the morning and I'm not feeling really inspired, and I'm feeling kind of dry, I don't attribute that to Satan. I get up and walk around. I may go for a walk, visit with the neighbors, pick up a book and read it, or pop up on a a, a TED Talk and watch it. Do something to make me inspired. That's what I do to be re-energized and re-inspired. I would encourage you to do the same. Now, I think this is a tough model that you're talking about. I don't know of anybody that charges... $3 and 95 cents a month for their blog. I mean, if I look at Michael Hyatt with the hundreds of thousands of readers that he has, I mean, I don't know how many he could maintain if he were charging $3 95 cents a month for that. I'm not sure that's a realistic model. There are ways you can make money with blogs. There are ways you can make money with podcasts. I mean, you hear on here that I have periodic sponsors sure. Those people pay me money for that kind of exposure. If you build up a big audience and you've got a lot of readers, that's what I would encourage you to do. If you start charging, you're going to have 10 people at the end of the month. Whereas if you just put out great content, you could have a thousand. I would have a thousand. I would rather have a thousand readers or listeners and then leverage that for other kind of things that I offered where people may have an opportunity to spend money than to charge them for the information itself. I mean, just like at my podcast, I mean, I'm fortunate in having a pretty large audience for this podcast. How many of you would continue listening if I charge $3.95 a week for the content you get? I mean, I get these wonderful letters about how it's changing your life. I mean, I'm thrilled to get those and I want to continue getting those, but I have no intention of saying, okay, now you're going to have to pay $3.95 a week to get this. I just, I don't think it's a realistic model at all. I mean, I, I, I don't know of anybody that I know, big time bloggers who could make that model work. I think you're going to have it have other things that generate income where your blog is a marketing tool for you to gain an audience, gain credibility and a reputation. Now, whether it's that or any other business, you say, how do you figure out if it should be a nonprofit or for a profit? Here's my take on that. If you say that it's going to be a nonprofit, what you're really telling us is you haven't figured out a way to make it profitable. That's not a very appealing kind of process. If you're going to go into business, then it ought to be profitable. If it's not, it shouldn't be a business. So there's really no option. There's no good option for you to make your bog a nonprofit. None. Now, certainly you can show me people who are doing that. I think it's a bad idea. I mean, make, deliver enough real value to people that they will, in fact, give you what Rabbi Daniel Lappen calls certificates of appreciation, which are those dollar bills that we all like to see. Make it valuable. Don't need to make a nonprofit. Great questions. Again, I, I obviously you're struggling with some some great issues here that I want you to get confidence in so you can hold your head high, pull your shoulders back, move forward and do something meaningful for you and those who are going to be benefit from what you have to offer. Greg says, Dan, I listen to your radio stream every week, get a nugget from every show. For Christmas, my wife bought me Rudder the Day from Amazon. When I opened the book, I was shocked to see you had signed the inside What shocked me more was that it was to someone else and they gave it up for resale. Now what they, what obviously had done, somebody put it up on Amazon, you know, reselling a book they had, they had gotten. Greg says, thanks again for everything you do and your coach for coaching your listeners. I always recommend you to people that are looking for something other than the J O B or inspirational insight. Well, you know, it it always amazes me too, to see, books that people get rid of and things that I find at garage sales, things I consider treasures because the people who had them just didn't consider the information valuable for them at that particular time, didn't recognize it. Um, Certainly, you know, we we move through things and it's, it's not surprising at all. You know, we'll have brand new galley copies of the 10th anniversary edition of 48 Days that are probably available out there on eBay and Amazon that you can get for 25 cents. That's okay. I mean, I don't... Re- resent that at all uh, if it keeps moving i'd rather that than have them be stagnant on a shelf somewhere well justin says uh, dan i just wanted to inform you that your books podcast 48days.net community and other of your friends like john lee dumas jeff goins mike hyatt tim ferris pat flim have all ruined me What I mean by this is that I flip through career sites like career builder indeed and Glassdoor, And I have this overwhelming sense of dread come over me. I feel like I'm looking into a pit of darkness at this point in my life, jumping into entrepreneurship and creating work. I love will take time. I currently need a better paying job, but everything I look at online gives me this sense of complete dread. I no longer want to work for some big company, nor do I want to work do work that doesn't matter. I know you say I should create work, and with the help of some friends, I've started that process. I know I'm on the right path, but it'll take some time. So I blame you, Dan. I blame you for making me not want to be just another cog in someone else's wheel of life. I blame you for creating in me this sense that there's a greater purpose for me. I blame you for reminding me that I was once a dreamer. Thank you. (laughs) Well, thanks for your note, Uh, Justin. I love, love your uh, sarcastic slant on this that I've ruined you. You know, it's like, uh, Joanne with the cars that I get her, you know, years ago, my gosh, we had cars. When she met me, I was driving a 1931 Ford model, a coupe. I mean, certainly didn't have soft seats, had a little Renault Dauphine so- seats that I'd gotten out of a junkyard in it. You sat with your head ducked down cause I'd chopped the top so low, certainly no air conditioning and the fumes came up from the back rather, um, uh, rather significantly so uh not a whole lot of uh, pleasurable things there other than the fact that it had a chrysler 331 where i could burn rubber for half a mile and impress everybody and it was loud and fast but as time went on i got joanne a car with power windows and she realized oh my goodness i'd never want to have a car without power windows and that was power locks So she can lock all the doors without walking around individually. And then it was heated seats. Can you imagine any feeling of luxury and having heated seats and cruise control? And then it was air conditioned seats. And I I kid her about all those little things where once you've seen the light, you can't go back to the average anymore. So I hope that's the process for you, Justin, that you've enjoyed this process of, of seeing new opportunities and that you in fact are enjoying having been exposed to that. Yes, it does spoil you to the average, the mundane for sure, but this is the way we want to move. Now I've got some great questions here, here at the beginning of the year, you all have really flooded me with great things. Um, Got somebody here that wants to know how you deal with family members who don't encourage you on, I want to deal with that. Somebody else who's ready to spend $10,000 on a startup business and wants to know how to use that wisely. Got some great things here and we'll save those for another day because based on the requests that I've gotten from so many of you, even Cliff Ravenscraft, who does all the tweaking on the podcast and makes it available to you out there and for, with zoom and Stitcher and iTunes and on my site and all that said, please keep using the song that Todd and Emily did for 48 days at the end of your podcast. So here it is. So for whatever indefinite period of time, I'm going to intersperse this frequently where we end with this. So thanks for being part of this community where we do in fact, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful and profitable.
0: Stuck in the J O B. Can someone set me free I've had enough of this This life is meaningless These hours don't pay enough This work is just so tough I need to get away The clock is ticking So don't delay It's gonna take Oh it's gonna take all you've got to make